HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This is Chris Howell. Today's program is brought to you by Cane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Cane5.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Heritage Radio Network. We are coming to you, as always, live from the back of Roberta's Pizza here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Once again, you're listening to The Farm Report. I'm your host, Aaron Fairbanks. Every week on air, I sit down with producers all along the food chain to talk about how they do, what they do, and why. Today is no different. Um, I am in the studio joined with um, some longtime friends of the station, uh, Dan and Vicky Pretty, welcome, guys. Thanks. Thank you for having us. So, um, I kind of short turnaround. I was up in in upstate New York and, and got to stop by the Pretty and Sons operation up in Sherburne, New York, this past Sunday. And as it happened, Dan and Vicky were coming down to the city, so we thought, what better way to end this season of the Farm Report than sitting down to hear a little bit more about the great business that you guys do? So, let's tuck into that. Um, you know, looking through kind of your website and knowing from visiting and talking about you, you guys have your hands in kind of a lot of different spaces. So maybe we'll kind of move back in time to like 1963-ish um, and start a, a little bit more in that area with the Purdy and Sons story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I guess it started, you know, with uh, my uh, forefathers, my father, my grandfather, my great uncles. Actually, they were in uh, in Long Island, uh, and uh, they, my father worked for the A&P. My grandfather worked for the A&W. Um, our uh, lineage is Mullencuff, so uh, my, my uh, great-grandfather and grandmother were uh, German butchers from the European uh, side and taught my father and my grandfather everything that they knew. So at any rate, uh, the city got a little bit too much... Uh, uh, for my for my dad, uh, with uh, six kids going on seven, so he moved on up to uh, Sherburne, New York, uh, along with my grandfather, and they opened up uh, uh, a small butcher shop. Um, 
I have to say I'm very impressed as Dan was chatting I was pouring us some beers because we are uh, toasting the end of the season here and I got a little over ambitious and there's now beer all over the studio floor (laughs) sorry Jack Um, but you really kept it together I'm impressed well so um hanging the shingle how did they know that that was like the right business for that space what did it kind of like look like operationally at the beginning well it was in their blood i mean you know i mean that's what they did that's what their heritage did that's what they were you know uh, you know that's what their their life was focused on was uh you know the art of of you know german butchery so um uh, it was, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, a small custom, uh, you know, uh, plant that, you know, manufactured for the local farms and local farmers. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things that Vicky and myself pride ourselves uh, today is that we haven't changed uh, any of that. You know, we, we service the farms, the farm community, um, and giving an avenue for, um, you know, farmers to have their products uh, bought, bought, sold and, and manufactured uh, for uh, institutional use, um, uh, so you know we really kind of just kept, uh, you know, kept that, uh, kept know, that tradition going. alive. Yeah. So when you were little Dan Purdy in mm-hmm. you know grade school, high school, were you, uh, you know, on the floor cutting meat? Was that something you saw yourself doing, and were you like, "Hey, I'm out of here," but then you got drawn back? <laughs> Well, you got more than a half of an hour or whatever we have, but uh, <laughs> and a couch. Yeah, right, and a couch. Uh, oh, it's like that. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> well, um, actually, um, you know, being a, a pretty good athlete and and being a musician, I always wanted to be in uh, uh, you know other fields than than cutting meat for sure. But um, you know, as you know, as growing up. Um, you know, things were a little different, you know, than living, you know, in Sherburne, New York, in a rural, very rural, uh, you know, area. Um, I didn't really have much of a choice. There it was, you know. Um, the family was there. The family needed, uh, you know, the kids to pitch in to do uh, what we had to do. And, uh, you know, it was just part of living. You know, we took part of, of uh, all the things that needed to be done. And, um, you know, uh, and it really, um, you know, created a, a work ethic um, and I'm glad for that because the, you know, as working as as a young kid in that environment, you know, I certainly do know, you know, kind of what it takes to, uh, you know, to, to to survive and thrive. And uh, from that work ethic, I tell people I remember, you know, working in, you know, on Monday nights, Tuesday nights, you know, school nights till eleven, eleven thirty at night, uh, you know, getting up the next morning and going to school, and then it started after school all over again, you know. Um, you know, and at the time, of course, you know, you, you, you look and you say, you know, take a look at what you missed out on or whatever. Uh, but I really didn't because I remember I remember um, when I first bought the business, I hired somebody who was in my grade. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking about this exact same, you know, thing, you know, and, and, and you, know, he, you know, the conversation came up and I said, yeah, you had all the fun with, the, you know, with the girls and doing this and that. He says, yeah, but look who's hiring who. You know, so, you know, that, you know, that impacted me. You yeah. Know, and made me realize that, you know, the efforts weren't for naught. And, yeah, know. things came full circle. Yeah. Well, Vicki, how about you? You are um, co-owner of the business. It is, um, you know, designated by New York State as a women, woman-owned business, mm-hmm. um, really heading up operations. Um, you came to the business through Dan, or are you... Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah. we were 
you know, high school, so you have. I thought know, that might be the case yeah, for a little while, and then. So you were hanging with some girls in high school. <laughs> you were. Da- I, was, I was hanging with the prettiest no, no. I was gonna say. I feel like some some of us get lucky, and you you know you strike gold on the first you know sink of the shovel. Yeah. Thanks. But um, yeah, we left for a while, and then uh, it came time to come back to the business and help Dick and Celeste out, which is Dan's parents, and work, and we just took off from there. So let's talk a little bit about how you guys divide the work of the business. Vicki, like, what's your kind of purview? Wow. I oversee uh, payables, uh, receivables, all the bookkeeping aspects, mm-hmm. uh, purchasing, selling. Dan does a majority of, like, the road sales and talking to customers and, you know, producing and stuff. But uh, in dispatch, making sure the customers are cared for and any human resource. Any human resource. So, like, all the things that kind of keep it going day-to-day operations yes yeah so dan obvious i I think it's like clear to me that you're like a natural salesperson where did you get your sales chops it's just a natural thing um you know my father was a very charismatic person my grandfather was charismatic i had an older brother my oldest brother uh, who really broke us into the industry Uh, my brother rick who is since deceased um um, but he uh kind of started all the uh, you know, Purdy and Sons as far as road sales, uh, selling to institutions and, and, and restaurants. He owned a company named Statewide Foods, uh, and I was vice president of that company for 10 years. Um, and he had a very, very successful business. Vicky worked for that company as well. And so I learned a lot from my brother Rick as far as, you know, sales and, and, and how to be aggressive and, you know, how to, you know, how to make, the, make the deal, let's say. Sure. Uh, but, you know, really sales is very easy to me. It's, it's all about personality. It's all about people. It's knowing people, caring for people, making sure that, you know, um, you know uh, what you say you do. It's right. It's that simple. Right. So you guys are unique in in your line of work in that you deal primarily with clientele that are institutional buyers. Mm-hmm. So when we when we're talking about institutional buyers um, that you work with, like what are the types of businesses that we're talking about? Um, collegiate uh, hospitals, uh, you know, to name a few, like SUNY Binghamton, SUNY uh-huh. Albany, uh, you know, in this area, New Paltz, uh, Marist College, um, uh, Bard College. Uh, we do a lot of colleges. Um, you know, we cater to their needs as far as local sustainable foods. Um, uh, we do also a lot of institutional as far as hospitals, uh, upstate medical. We do quite a few in Binghamton, Syracuse, Utica area, uh, and we serve uh, their needs as well. Uh, we designed a very, very unique um, uh, system to where everything that we do is in, in a just-in-time customizable fashion. Uh, so when they order something, they can order their products to the exact pack, to the exact size, to the exact needs, uh, eliminating inventory uh, problems and having to, uh, you know, work with a degraded product when it comes to having to freeze it or whatnot. So um, yeah, it's kind of what we do for them. So, so, and I think it's interesting because, like, so much of the conversation around like what's working, what's not working in the local food system is talking about distribution is talking about like oh how do we get more institutional buyers and like how does that work with like a a, for example like a seasonal aspect like here in the northeast we're obviously not producing um you know any kind of like vegetables or fruit year round 
um, you know, we even like harvest animals differently throughout the year. So how do you deal with the kind of seasonal components of the business? Well, we designed our, our uh, business uh, to where we could service local foods and fill the plate, uh, you know, every aspect of the plate from June to February. Um, so it's designed, basically, we've taken the strength of what's grown in New York and then married not only our production, but other companies' production strengths uh, and matched them with farms. Uh, so when we offer vegetables, well, we're not, we're not offering a fresh vegetable. We're offering an IQF product, all New York State. That's What's um, IQF? Individual Quick Frozen. Okay, cool. Um, you know, we're offering all the proteins. And, of course, that's, you know, grown year-round in New York State. We offer, uh, you know, fruits like apples and cherries, very strong items that are grown in New York State, very competitively uh, uh, priced products uh, and uh, very um, high in quality as well. So we basically design our company to where we can service center-of-the-plate products all year-round. So um, I'm, I'm so curious, like, what some of those like first conversations with the institutional buyers was like when like if i'm like i'm like okay i have like my family business and we're kind of a custom you know serving local farmers and like now i'm gonna like go up to you know suny binghamton and like what door do you knock on like how do you know who, who to talk to what were some of those like initial conversations like and and maybe you can share with us a little bit about some of the like mistakes that you made in, in some of those initial things where you're kind of like, oh, I didn't really get that, and now we get it, so we run our business like this. Well, some of the early conversations, and like I say, we've been doing this since the, you know, beginning of the of the company, you know, so we kind of pretty much took that, you know, that, that idea and concept and, and, and offered it. And the funny thing is we were, we were doing farm uh, to table uh, you know, from the very, very beginning. And then all of a sudden there was talk about it. And so as, you know, people were trying to search it out, they were finding us. Got really it. is what kind of happened. Um, so it wasn't like, a, you're not like, we're farm to table. You're just kind of like, yeah, we have these things. And they happen to, to be farm to table because that's what we do. Yeah, correct. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, like I say, you know, we were offering them out and it, it, we, were, we were quite a bit ahead of the trend. Oh, well, obviously ahead of the trend. Um, but, you know, we, we just did it naturally. You know, we, we, we had our customers, we had our customer bases, we had a few colleges that, um, you know, uh, were very, very interested in, in how we manufactured products. And so we started doing business with some, some partners that were very, very important. You know, those, those people who first started with us are, you know, are very dear to us. All of our customers are. But, you know, that, you know when we first got those opportunities, um, you know, it just caught on quick. Yeah. It just caught on quick. Um, and it really, you know, it really tied into this, into what we were doing already. And what we were doing already was the need of the industry. Yeah. So. Well, so Vicki, we mentioned at the top of the show that, that Pretty and Sons is designated as a, a, a woman-owned business. So that is a designation that comes through the state of New York? Yes, you need to get certified So New York State. What, what is that program about? Why, why go through that certification process? Well, it gives us added perks for, you know, agendas that the state has down the road trying to support farmers, trying to support the local food movement. Yeah, I think that's like one of those one of the interesting things that the state does when they're looking, you know, when they're looking to buy things, mm -hmm. then the state purchases a lot of stuff. Um, you know, they are held, they're kind of like going through a different set of criteria than maybe, you know, 
the person up the street might be. And so I think it's really interesting that the state would kind of preference like, oh, we want to we want to make an active effort to invest in women-owned businesses. We want to make an active effort to invest in minority-owned businesses. And my guess would be that's because it makes for it makes economic sense for the state. Correct. So, um, so how do people? How do people kind of? Is there like a separate listing that people find you through there, or when you're bidding for state contracts? Like, mm-hmm. does that that gives you kind of like a little bit of a potential leg up? Yes. There's contract reporters. There's a few different websites you can go on. Put your listing on there, and you'll get emails periodically to bid on to bid things on that go on. Things. Cool. So that bidding system. I mean, does that mean that you, when you're doing your kind of annual planning, that you know every year the relationships are kind of like up for grabs, and you're kind of you're like, oh, okay, you know, we we worked with this college for the last like eight years. Probably going to do another year, or or how does the kind of like changing in administrations impact your business if if it does? Um, I'm not quite quite exactly sure um, what you mean, but I, I'll, I'll take it like this. Uh, the, the contracting and the, uh, you know, as far as the woman-owned, um, you know, status is really through the state, which is separate than collegiately or mm-hmm. separate than, uh, you know, because those, those are, those, the colleges are generally run by food service, uh, you know, companies. Um, so I guess I'm wondering, like, for those food service companies, like, what, like, sways that, that that supply and demand conversation. So um, I feel like, you know, you mentioned kind of being ahead of the trend for local food procurement. So like as different agenda items come on to the plate or like students taste change, like Mm -hmm. kids want to eat different stuff or colleges want to remain competitive by having a more dynamic cafeteria program Mm -hmm. or someone new gets hired and they're kind of like, oh, I used to work with this other guy. Like, I'm just I'm from like kind of a planning standpoint. Um, you know, you're obviously in the sales role, so you're out there kind of maintaining those relationships. But I'm just wondering, like, what are the things that kind of impact that that are like maybe outside of your control? Well, um, of course, everything you know has an impact with the bottom line. They 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 all still have to you know the the world's run by you know dollars and cents. So. Um, you, you you have to have a very competitive nature to your business in order to, uh, you know, maintain the relationship, maintain the growth of of the market share in which you you take part of. Um, so that's one thing that we really focus on is is efficiencies in sourcing, efficiencies in manufacturing, because. Um, there's an affordability factor. I mean, yes, everybody wants local foods. Yes, everybody wants to procure and be sustainable and 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 certain things. However, um, you know, there's decisions that are made if that's if the price range is out of reach. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's out of our control as far as their decisions when it goes to uh, you know uh, you know the difference in price when they have to pick a. Uh, you know, commodity product versus a local product. And those are decisions that they make. Um, what we control is doing things in a high-quality manner, uh, at a price-conscious manner, um, at, at, with a, uh, c- a complete transparency um, and farm verifications uh, and, uh, you know, and the finest service that we can provide. Right. Um, and the funny thing is, is as I say, uh, to a lot of my uh, clients and, and, and partners, uh, as we like to say, is if you take a look at your commodity pricing structure over the last five, six, seven years, it's gone up steadily every year. Mm-hmm. Our local production and our local uh, pricing and our local uh, uh, procurement has stayed the same. 
So you, you have commodity pricing that are, that are starting to creep up to where local levels are. So, um, you know, it's making, it's making more and more and more sense to choose local. So you're seeing a shift. Well, yeah. I am torturing Dan and Vicky because we just got delivered um, a really yummy looking pizza. Not something I talk about a ton on the Farm Report, but we are, of course, located in the middle of Roberta's, an amazing pizza restaurant here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. So we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to let these guys have a quick slice and we'll be right back. Hang tight. <laughs> And the song is called Manufactured Consent. It's by Mamarazzi. We will be right back. Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. And we are back. You're tuned into the Farm Report, of course. We are in the studio with Dan and Vicki Purdy of Purdy and Sons talking about uh, local processing and distribution. Um, so one of the things you touched on just before the break was transparency in your supply chain. And I know that you guys are third-party um, certified. So what does that mean exactly, and why is that something folks should care about? Well, we basically hire out a company to come in, go through our books, go through our traceability, everything from chemicals, pest control, you name it. They go up and down our facility, our paperwork, all of our policies. 
and they make sure we're doing everything we can to have a complete total recall within four hours to make sure that we are as safe for food and Mm -hmm. that we can be. Sure. So, obviously, I think when you're thinking about, you know, recall, it's like that, that traceability factor. It's like you want to know where stuff is. So, mm-hmm. you, if, if a, a, something should arise, you know, you know where to go and get it from. But I think also, um, I'm curious, like, is that like an industry standard in your space where folks um, generally, like, have that? or No, there's there's so many levels. There's a lot of facilities in central New York that aren't even federally inspected. We're not only federally inspected and have our HACCP plan, everything else, but we're also the third-party audited. I think that's one of the things people don't really get about um, when, when something is like a USDA facility, which you mm-hmm. guys are. Um, the thing that I've always found just like so kind of bizarre is that you actually have somebody, whenever your doors are open, on-site, from the USDA, who's essentially just watching you. Correct doing your work so your your usda inspector just for folks who aren't familiar with like what that kind of looks like like where does he or she kind of insert themselves in your kind of day-to-day well us being a HACCP uh operated plant uh, which is you know hazard analysis critical control point we in essence set up the program um that ensures that our employees are uh sufficiently and properly trained uh, and that we we have systems in place that uh, you know make sure that every aspect of our business, whether it be cleaning the facility or manufacturing a product or um, or, or everything to do with the day to day testing, E. coli testing, salmonella testing, that we have procedures in place. The USDA basically makes sure that what we say we are doing. That's their role, uh, and and so they're on site overseeing um, you know what we're doing making sure that our policies on a day-to-day basis are are being lived being up followed to. Yeah. yeah but the third-party auditing process is a much higher standard mm-hmm. um, uh, it goes well and well above what the policies of the USDA are and that as Vicki touched upon has everything to do um, with uh, everything from uh, you know, Rodent control to, to, to full uh, to full exposure of um, of, of of sourcing uh, and, and and supplying. So they're kind of looking even before stuff kind of gets to you, and after stuff gets to you, where this the USD inspector is looking for what's happening in front of him or her yeah. on, at the plant. Good Correct. way of putting it. Yeah, good way of putting so it. So who pays for those things? Oh well, we all do. You're, 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 you as you speak are paying for our federal inspector. It's you know federal, federally funded. Um, the third party audit we pay ourselves okay. out of uh, out of uh, you know out of the business pocket. So that's like a you, because you invest in that because you feel like it's a value add for your business. And then the USDA, you have no choice, right? Yeah, correct. So they, they have to be there. Um, so what happens when your USDA inspector gets sick? Well, they have road people. You get a that, different yeah. person mm-hmm. that comes in. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I, I know because, uh, like I said at the top of the show, uh, we were just up uh, paying a visit that you guys are doing some expansion. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about what prompted that and, and um, what you're kind of looking forward to. Well, we're looking forward to many things. Um, uh, you know, our, our future is bright. Uh, we're doing things uh, nobody else really is at the moment. And, uh, you know, we're very optimistic our building project really has uh, everything to do with, you know, a small grower, a small company growing 
a little larger. Uh, needed more uh, working space uh, as far as uh, production goes. Needed more storage space as far as our, um, you know, freezer and cooler, um, you know, capacity goes. Um, we are an in and out company. Uh, our company is designed that the product comes in, gets manufactured within 48 hours, it's delivered. Uh, however, there are, you know, some certain, you know, uh, sourced materials that we need to st uh, stock or store. As I said, our vegetable program, you know, that product is manufactured IQF. We have to store that uh, in order to uh, distribute. It's just making us more efficient. Um, you know, we just needed more room. Yeah, so, having a little more space. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. And, and um, you know, it's it's going to help things all around and service our customers better and, and, and assist our employees to do their jobs in a, in a, in a more efficient manner. So one of the challenges that I feel like I often hear about with regards to local procurement, especially when we're talking about meat, is that, um, you know, if you have to move through all the different pieces of a pig or a cow, that, you know, that's not always like what people want to order. They're not ordering the kind of hamburger equal to the steaks, mm -hmm. equal to the shoulder chops, equal to the like head, tails, trotter. So how do you kind of manage the, that kind of, Split when you're servicing folks who are looking for, you know, to fill their kind of cafeteria menu, but by virtue of buying those cuts, you're generating these other cuts. Well, that's a great question, um, and and it, it, the answer can be very diverse, and because there's a lot of there's a lot of ways of of tackling that issue or that opportunity, however you want to look at it. Sure. Um, I'm an optimist. Yeah. I call it an opportunity. <laughs> well, first off, uh, how we uh, first started was finding partners um, that understood the, the, the true sustainability of buying in a holistic manner. So that was really important. Heritage Foods buys in a holistic manner. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, finding other partners uh, that do the same thing, that have the same mind, uh, you know, as far as sustainability goes, that they were committed to making sure that they menued their items to utilize the whole the whole product mm -hmm. as we've grown uh we've uh you have more and more and more customers more and more uh you know clients and 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 partners to where we can offer different people different items right and we're able to you know glean from what's being produced and what can be offered right so it's kind of um uh, you know, strategically finding those people who have certain needs for certain things, matching them up, marrying them to the, what the farm's offering, to what we can produce, to the products that are available to their plate. And that's, that, that's how it's done. And one other avenue is to also take parts and pieces and make them versatile. We make sausage. We further process. So you don't just have to have a ham you right. can have a brt boneless rolled and tied ham you can have a smoked ham you could have it diced into speedies marinated which we do you know you can make it into sausage so the different parts and pieces are very versatile for different things so you're like which, being adaptable and being right. able to have that well so i don't know if you guys have heard about this but um you know we we just heard uh, towards the beginning of the week that um this company who does, it's like a deliver, a grocery delivery service distribution company that works, um, you know, their tagline is that they work with um, farmers and artisan food producers. Um, a company called Good Eggs here in Brooklyn, just around the corner from where we're at, is folding here in Brooklyn, folding its operations down in New Orleans, um, and, and really shrinking the company back to its, like, original base in San Francisco. Um, and one of the things that I think has been really... Um, 
hard to understand about the coverage of this change is they just went through a big uh, refinancing. They raised upwards of $50 million to expand their business. Um, and and so I, I guess my question to you guys, because you're kind of occupying this, this particular space, um, when we think about scalability, when we think about growth, you know, where, where, what's like the precautionary spaces that you need to be in and, and how do you work to kind of take care of your like farmers and producers as you think about growing? Cause they're essentially coming along with you in that kind of like risk reward paradigm. So how do you like responsibly look towards expansion? The number one way with farmers and producers is to follow through on your word. It's very important. They've heard the story before. It took a lot to gain their trust. They trust us. They are willing to grow that many more animals, that much more product, because they trust us. And our word is our bond. When it comes to expansion as well, you've got to be very careful. We don't look to build and hope they'll come. We build as it merits it. And that's how we expand. Right. So you're like more, maybe potentially more incremental than mm-hmm. if you were just had like a, a if you had a $50 million pool of money, right. you might do things Correct. a little differently. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, uh, <clears throat> Vicki and myself have always been risk takers, uh, you know, kind of to a fault in a way. Um, however, we're not willing to risk other people's future. Right. Um, and so, you know, we, we're, you know, we make sure that what we uh, offer and what we say as far as a commitment to somebody, we live up to. Um, and we live up to that by our partners and our, our committed um, clients. Uh, so it's kind of like a pool of committed folks through the f- whole chain of things, from farmer to producer to end user. And really that's how we uh, you know, bond together and make it happen. Um, and you know, you know, we're... We, it was perfectly said, you know, we, we grow incrementally. We, we, we prove it to ourselves that it's there before we, uh, you know, go out and, um, you know, spend uh, money that we don't have or that we don't see. Yeah. So that being said, what are the things that keep you up at night? <laughs> <laughs> many. <laughs> um, many. Um Right now, I mean, you know, speaking of which, you know, our growth has been, uh, you know, considerable over the last uh, five, six, seven years. Um, and, you know, I'm a real, I, I'm, a, I'm a perfectionist and, and I need to make sure that I see things uh, go, you know, in a way that I, I'm proud about. You know, it's my, it's my family's heritage and family's name. And everything that uh, we produce, uh, our name is on it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's vital to me that when that product, um, you know, hits that person's, uh, you know, plate, that, that, that there's total satisfaction. Um, and with growth, uh, I need to make sure, and uh, I need to make sure that our people and our supply chain and all that we do is at its top of its game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... I think about that nightly and how to enhance that and how to achieve that in, in, in a better, clearer way. Um, so, uh, and right now my, my, my biggest freak out is, uh, is, uh, is, uh, I just purchased a new truck and I'm making sure that, uh, you know, our, our routes and our distribution is, is going to be as efficient, uh, and, and servicing as early as possible. Vicki, anything you want to add? Oh, I'm, um- focused on our computer systems and our our entire 
operations of our systems and how they work and getting the website up and going and yeah yeah website's <laughs> like a constant beast well yes. <laughs> oh brother so um unfortunately we are out of time but it's been really nice to get to have you guys in the studio on our turf thank here you. in brooklyn thank you for coming down thanks Enjoy for having it. us thank you very much so if you want to learn more definitely check them out www.purdyfoods.com Um, Lots of great information on the website, a whole kind of history of the business and the people instrumental to that business, Um, some blog stuff, some video stuff, and I'm sure more to come in the future. So definitely check that out. Uh, This is the last episode of the Farm Report for the summer season. Hang tight. We will be back in action the week of September 13th with a whole new lineup of great guests. I think you're the co-host on another show now, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I am. Thank you, Jack. The Voice of God overview. Um, Also, stay tuned. We've got a new show coming up, uh, debuting this fall. It is going to be a wonderful kind of recap, you know, with 39 shows weekly happening at Heritage Radio Network. It can be tough for folks. I know it's tough for me to kind of make my way through all the great stuff that's going on. So it's going to be your kind of weekly digest, weekly how-to, hosted by Jack Ginsley and myself. So I will definitely be pumping that out of my feed. so, So look forward to that. And can't wait to hear what you think. Check us out. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.